we got a real simple plan. One man, one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day Podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, here's Reese Davis. Another day, another report that the Pac-12 is closer to its media deal. And media days everywhere, Pete Thamel is there. This is the College Game Day Podcast for Tuesday, July 18th. Reese Davis and Pete Thamel here. Pete in Nashville. And Pete, I, I was asked recently on another show if I was going to any of the media days, to which my response was, not if I can help it. So, and, and the reason was then I went on to say, I went on to say that pretty much, I'll, I'll just tell you right now, here's what you've heard because you've been to all the media days. I think this is what you've heard. It's great. This is always a signal to me in the offseason that football is back. This is, I think it's been the best offseason we've ever had. We've got a great culture. Guys have really bought in. Tremendous leadership in this offseason program. If I'm being honest, maybe we had some guys that had their own agendas last year, but now we've got a new strength coach, and he has been amazing. We're bigger, stronger, faster than we ever were under the guy who just left to go to the NFL or one of our rivals. We were weak under him. Basically, we were squatting the bar with that guy. We weren't (laughs) as focused as we needed to be last year, so our guys got some NIL deals with the herbal supplement focus factor, and they're locked in like sharks on bloody chum. That's, that stuff might put Adderall out of business someday, not to mention giving up enough capital focus to sign five-star quarterbacks. Now, we also did some wilderness training and deep water maneuvers with Navy SEALs for those times this season when we think we're about to drown. We'll think back to the time we had a 100-pound weight vest on our back and had to tread water for four and a half hours. So we'll stay in the fight, and we'll be where our feet are, even if our feet are in the water. Now, I know you guys are going to ask about the guys that have had some off-season missteps, and university policy won't allow me to talk about that, but I feel good about the chances of seeing him if he does everything he's been asked to do to try to get back on the team. That and he ran a 4-3-7 yesterday, Coach told me. I couldn't be out there, but I heard about it from our new strength coach. All credit to him. We have everything we need to be successful at, insert the name of my current university employer here, because we have great alignment. I mean, we're aligned. We're aligned from our president or AD, coaching staff, players, parents, fans, concession stand vendors, we are so aligned that chiropractors in our town are going out of business. <laughs> so, I mean, look, we, we compete in the toughest conference in America. I mean, but never, never mind, I was in a different conference last year and said it was the toughest. But this time, I mean it. Our schedule doesn't do us any favors. But that all said, I can't wait to get started. That's pretty much what you've heard, isn't it? Something like that? Well, I'm glad I have two more days left at SEC Media Days because <laughs> it's only four days long. So we're at the halfway point here, and I just I feel like I could just take a transcript of what you said and put my byline and the dateline of Nashville on it, and then we should be good. So thank you for really getting me fired up for tomorrow. Uh, I know the funny thing was is I did a much uh, much shorter version of something like that, and immediately my phone buzzed. It was a pri- this was prior to Big Twelve Media Days, and it was Lance Leipold, and Lance goes. Well, I guess I'm not even going to bother to go to media days now. To say, well, give them something better than that. Then give them something interesting. But uh, no, Lance had a nice tie on. It was good to see Lance. Yeah, you're like, uh, yeah. We talked about how Trish Ferguson violently picked a nose hair from him at the NFL draft. It was like I almost called him an assault. Trish Ferguson's our game day makeup uh, czar. Uh, you know, you know what she fun. calls it when she has to work on your nose, right? No. 
she'll say, a bat in the cave. She'll tell you you've got a bat in the cave, and she's got to do some maintenance on your uh, on your nasal passages. There. She didn't tell Lance; she just dove in. It was like, Whoa. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. But you know what? Yeah. the The truth of the matter is, as I was doing some work in my office preseason work uh, today, and the whole time while I joke about it, make fun of the coaches for all of the cliches, and our culture's great this year, and it sucked last year, and blah blah blah. Um, I had I had the media day scene going. And, I, you know, I was listening to all of it, too. And it is a great signal that, that football is here. Yeah. Well, I enjoy, for my job, having to uh, be in touch with just a lot of different coaches and a lot of different corners of the country. There's some good, uh, good FaceTime available. So occasionally get to have a cocktail uh, or two with the coaches and uh, maybe, maybe share, a, uh, share a bit of barbecue. So, for me, uh, grinding it out here, I mean, Clicheville, it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been good. No, I... I Look, like it was interesting today. I think here at, at SEC race to to dive in a little bit. Uh, Kirby Smart, did you watch his podium uh, I did. appearance? I did. I did. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was interesting that instead of pushing forward from their pretty dismal off season, obviously tragic off season, and then you know significant missteps from players uh, after the tragedy, um, he sort of tried to like push back a little bit. Um, and rationalize it, and contextualize it, and it. Uh, after he finished uh, talking to us, and I didn't hear all of his podium comments because we're in a different room and we're, we're not all there. It, it seemed as if he might have been better off just pushing forward. You know, I'm. I'm really. Obviously, the tragedy is is one thing, and you know, the Devin Willick lost his life, Stafford lost her life. You know, there are there's ongoing litigation as a result of that that tragedy in the aftermath of the national championship parade. The other issues are dangerous and they are unwise and Mm -hmm. they are to be punished and they are to be dealt with, with traffic citations. But I do find myself kind of, you know, kind of looking at it and saying exactly what is a coach supposed to do, you know, because I'm sure that he's saying all of the things that we as parents say to our kids at a certain age and they I actually I'm not as cynical about kids as some are or young people these aren't mm-hmm. kids these are young men or young women depending on the team that you're dealing with I'm not as cynical in the in the way that I think that they don't mm-hmm. listen I I think they do listen in the moment but then because they're not fully mature they don't always make the best decisions that in the moment then they decide to do something different other than what maybe in the uh, when you were telling them, hey, you guys need to stay close to the speed limit. You need to observe the traffic laws. You need to make sure to look at this tragedy that we had here. Let's not let's not put anyone in jeopardy, you or anyone around you. And and then they 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 don't do it. it there's been a lot of it at Georgia, which is kind of unusual. And I understand the criticism that's gone along with that. But there is a big part of me, Pete, that says these are grown men and they need to make their own decisions. And if you want to say that if it reaches a certain level that the university or the athletic department or the head coach, you know, needs to uh, impart some type of punishment that would be a bigger deterrent. OK, but in terms of saying that that a coach is responsible for someone uh, doing something like that, observing traffic laws, not speeding, not, you know, doing all of those things, not weaving in and out of traffic or whatever. I, I don't, it's hard for me to get there. 
I guess, because I, I, I don't know that it's realistic or if it's just one of those reflection things in our culture where when something happens, then we subsequently want to uh, get, you know, blame someone for it rather than blame someone other than the person who ultimately is responsible and that, responsible, and that would be the person behind the wheel. Yeah, and I think the uh, the best thing I heard today uh, addressing this came from Cedric Von Prawn, uh, who's the uh, the talented offensive lineman at, at Georgia. He's a, he's a fourth year junior, and uh, he said the truth of the matter is we've made some mistakes. We own those mistakes, and it's a matter of accepting that and moving forward. I think that's really the biggest thing is just understanding that we're not perfect. We made some mistakes. And to be honest with you, they can't continue to keep happening. And it's owning that and understanding that and trying to move forward. I thought that was the, the right tone, considering this is this has all been magnified because of the, the, the tragedy. Um, and I thought that was the uh, that was like it just it, it, it was like the perfect pitch um, mm-hmm. in, in sort of addressing this moving forward, acknowledging mistakes have been made. Um and you, you, there is a debate, and, and Kirby dove into a little bit today on speeding versus super speeding, and the number of traffic tickets they've gotten compared to other years. And yeah, I heard. And all, I, I didn't think that served that, him well. You know, yeah, I mean, all, all, yeah. yeah, all of that is is interesting empirical data that, in the wake of the caliber of the tragedy, really, I don't think you know, I just don't really think matters that much. I think Cedric von Braun. Like you could hire a lot of outside PR people and pay a lot of people a lot of money for uh, crisis communications, and I don't think they could have constructed a better statement than Cedric von Francis. So a lot of credit to him. Uh, one of the great things about Media Days, Reese, and I mean this sincerely because I am usually pretty cynical, is that you sit down in these rooms and you see the next wave. Now von Franz has been a very good player there for a while, but you see kind of the next wave of college stars. And you and you meet folk. You meet some of the young men who are going to who we're going to cover on the field this year, and you just come blown blown away, impressed, right? Um, you know, I remember Michael Wright, the Vanderbilt quarterback last year, got out of the room, and I was like, that guy could be a senator. He could be, you know, he's a Mississippi State quarterback. Now you're just like, wow, these are, you know, there, you know, there are a lot of remarkable, uh, remarkable young men um, who come through these uh, who come through these media days. There was a Vanderbilt transfer, Elijah McAllister, who's at Auburn now. He's getting his doctorate in education. He talked about that for a while. And you just, it, it sort of, it sound, they sound a little cheesy, but it does like reaffirm your faith in the whole enterprise that there are some really good young men scattered across all these schools, you know, you know, who are going to be playing on these fields this fall. Most of them are. Yes. But oh, it's, yeah. sort of, now, it's, sort, it, it's sort of, the, it's sort of the human condition that we are drawn to the tragedy, to the scandal, to whatever. But the, the great majority of the guys that we get to meet um, are really impressive. They have a, yeah. a variety of different interests. They, their personalities have uh, you know, run the gamut of everything you could imagine. But they're, they're fascinating dudes who, uh, you know, pursuing something that's really difficult to do. Mm-hmm. And they are impressive people. And most of them are, are you know, have some pretty significant interest outside of football. And that makes them also fascinating to talk to. Um, so it's, you know, I, th- I think it is easy to say, you know, I think anytime you hear somebody say, these guys, then you know they, they, they aren't, it's an overgeneralization and they're not really going to make a good point in their argument. These guys only care about NIL. These guys don't care about the speeding law. These guys don't care about this, that, or the other. You're losing the argument because it's always a minuscule fraction 
of the players who are involved in something that gets that either they make a horrible choice or have something tragic happen to them or just have a error in judgment that hopefully doesn't turn out as serious. But it's not the majority of the players. The majority of the players are really impressive young people who are really talented athletes and they're good students and they're good family members. Not all of them, just like any other walk of life. There are good people, bad people, or there are selfish people and giving people. And it's like anything else. But when we start trying to say these guys do this because they are uh, college athletes, that's uh, that's a losing argument and one that's a, um, a little a little too simplistic for my taking. It's the it's the counter, uh, the polar opposite to when people typecast the media. The media does this. The media is it's the same thing. It's like putting us all in the same tent. Just like you can't do that, obviously, with uh, with with college athletes. So, no, it's been uh, an energy jolt here in Nashville. It's been a lot of uh, it's been a lot of fun. The uh, the SEC does just sort of have a special sauce, you know. And uh, I am also grateful we are not in Hoover, Alabama. Right now, who so. who uh, I don't I like Hoover. Nothing wrong with Hoover. I like Hoover what, too. What? I just don't know if I want to spend four days there compared to Nashville. I don't think that's like you? some hot take or some big diss on Hoover. I think like yeah, you know. I'll I'll twist it into something sort of like the Georgia yeah, fans who somehow have decided you guys that, always that, that I think that uh, you media guys that I think Georgia's going to go seven and five. I mean, <laughs> I can't wait to talk to Kirby and say, do you realize what you've done? You've taken you've taken this woe is me old school cartoon reference, bad luck schlep rock fan base waiting on something to anvil to fall and hit them on top of the head. And now all of a sudden, because you say they until I see the quarterback play, I want I might pick them second or third to start the preseason. But if the quarterback plays well, I almost certainly move them back to number one. That's like the biggest insult in the world, and I've got them going to the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl, which doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, I I have to say that your your the notion that you perpetuated months ago on the pod, and you know it has come to fruition about picking Michigan number one. I I. I generally agree with the, with the with the bones of that decision, right? Like they have a proven quarterback, they have a proven offensive line, they have, they have a really strong proven defense coming back. They have a Charmin soft out of conference schedule. Like like it, again, that shouldn't matter going forward. But I don't see them being threatened imminently um, at you know at, at any point early in the uh, early in the schedule. So um, if, yes, picking on poor old Georgia, poor old you know, Georgia if, just overlooked. And if Carson Beck plays well, everybody, including me, will move them to number one quickly. But I don't think it's it's unreasonable because Kirby said at media days that Carson Beck was ahead in the race for the number one quarterback spot right now. And one thing that has been brought up that I guess we can fully share now is that Carson Beck at one point was ahead of Stetson Bennett on the depth chart. JT Daniels got hurt. They were about to play UAB. And the plan was early in the week, as I understand it, Carson Beck was going to start. And if Carson Beck had played well, now maybe Georgia goes on and wins the national, uh, last two national championships anyway, um, but if he had played well, it's entirely plausible that Stetson Bennett never really gets his shot. Instead, now he's impressing with the Rams and doing well in camp, and he's got two national championships uh, on his resume too. 
The issue with Carson Beck then wasn't that he wasn't talented. It's just that he looked really, really young in practice. And at that juncture, uh, then offensive coordinator Todd Munkin perhaps didn't have all the confidence in Stetson Bennett that he ultimately would have. But he had more confidence in Carson Beck at least that week in practice. From what I understood, Beck looked really, really young in practice. And Kirby said, let's, let's let a guy that I know can get us through it get us through the UAB game and then Stetson mm-hmm. balled out and sort of took off. And then uh, the rest, as they say, is history. And now Georgia fans, uh, as a result of that, now believe that you're insulting them if you say they're not kings of the universe for uh, all time. Do you know the last school to three-peat, Reese? I do. Yes. Minnesota. Yes. Yeah, and that was, I think one of, yeah. one of the championships was even uh, right before the AP poll era because the AP poll Correct. started in 1936. So and no one has been a three-time champion in the AP poll era, which is essentially the last 90 years to do rough math. Yeah, you'll, you'll, make a, you'll make a variety of fans irritated and bring up bad memories, whether, uh, you know, whether Alabama fans from the 60s, Nebraska fans from the 90s, uh, you know, various opportunities to win three in a row that sort of went by the board. USC uh, fans, mm-hmm. because, you know, they got a share in three, won it in four, and then, uh, you know, and then had the uh, loss in that classic game to Vince Young in Texas in 2005, or they would have done it. So what's the opportunity in front of Georgia is, is certainly, certainly historic. And they, they have the team to do it. I just don't think it's a big insult to say, I just want to see the quarterback play. Doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that I don't think he's good. I know he's talented. He was, mm-hmm. you know, highly recruited. I just want to see it. I don't think there's anything yeah. wrong with that personally. Yeah. But. Do you think there's a correlation? If you look back at some of those Florida championship teams, for example, we've seen it pop up at Alabama that championship teams breed something psychologically where play, there's an invincibility amongst players that makes them more prone to off-field mistakes. Uh, it, it can. You can say, because, you use the Dallas Cowboys as an example yeah. from you know nineties or whatever. Like it's not. Yeah. I know I niche it to college. I don't niche to college football, but I just like it. You do tend to see, and coaches tend to worry about that very thing. It's it's like anything else in life, Pete. When you get you you know you, there's a time when you think if I could just make. Uh, X amount of money, all of my problems would go away. Well, they don't, you know, and then it's just more, more, more. Or if I could just get this job or if I could just get, uh, you know, if I could just marry this person, then everything would be just right in my world. And it's not. So there's always and if you and if you achieve something, there's a desire for more. But there's also this feeling of of that you've arrived. And that's a really Really, the complacency thing is real, and coaches can talk about it all they want to. But when you don't think anybody has a shot at you, uh, if you lose that edge for a second, I mean, Georgia's already getting everybody's best shot. Everybody on Georgia's schedule can make their season if they can upset. It doesn't if they go eight and four, but one of those eight wins is the win over Georgia. Then you know. That's made their season. That's the kind of thing because Georgia, by definition, won't approach every game that way. And I think when you don't approach your game that way, it can, 
it can filter over into other aspects sometimes. And maybe you're not as mindful as you need to be for uh, off the field situations, you know, whether it's academics, behavior, whatever it might be that's away from football. When is, uh, call Georgia's schedule if you have your computer in front of you. Um, or you have okay. a handy dandy magazine or media. Oh, or something. I do have, I've got it on the computer, but I think it's going to be right. easier just to look at it. Um, in, Phil Steele, one Phil of the Phil magazines. Steel. I only have the digital copy of Phil Steele right now. I still need the hard copy. The digital copy is, is a little harder to navigate, but I, I had need of some of the material. So I went ahead and bought it. Um, I actually bought it this time. A lot of times I email Phil, but I felt bad about doing that. So I just bought it. Um, okay. So here's the schedule. What do you want to know? I want to know when's the first time they can lose. Uh, I mean, there's part of you that would say with Spencer Rattler, South Carolina, but I don't believe it. Um, so I would say the first time that they can lose, barring, you know, abject catastrophe, would be would be Ole Miss at home. And that if, game for our listeners is November 11th. November 11th is the week before Tennessee, the game that everybody's going to sort of be pointing to. Uh Ole Miss is going to have a chance to make it season. And who knows, maybe Ole Miss is really good by then. But they certainly have uh, – Ole Miss comes in with weapons. Um, they come in with, uh, with a coach who will certainly have a little something uh, a little something up his sleeve to break tendencies, as it were. And so I would say Ole Miss is the first realistic opportunity to lose. Not that I – and listen li- – as they used to say, listen to me now, hear me later, Georgia fans. I don't think they're going to. The question from Pete was the first game in which they could conceivably be challenged enough to lose the game. And I would say it's Ole Miss November 11th. Which is wild. Like, just to think of, and again, it's college football. That's what makes it great, right? They're right. going to be yeah. in some slobber knocker um, with, you know, uh, Kentucky and people but you thought they would, you know, or yeah, maybe right, they go exactly. to Auburn. It's never easy to go to Auburn. I'll say right. that. Auburn's yeah. going to be bad, but they, it is yeah. never easy to go to Auburn. Robbie Ashford runs wild. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, all of a sudden they're down. Ball bounces you know. off a tuba. Georgia knows that balls can take strange bounces Correct. in Jordan-Hare Stadium. So that, that uh, they're they acutely they aware can, of that. They can provide right. miracles to the other sideline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, that that said, so I think it's, it's interesting, Reese, like, Again, I hate the game. They're underrated. They're overrated. They're underappreciated. But, like, this Georgia team is on a march to once-a-century type history. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a – I'm not saying it's an inevitability. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. There's a million variables. There's – but the defense is as sound as anyone's in the country. And I really feel like, boy, when you look at the schedule, it's hard to conjure a lot of scenarios where, you know, they won't – because say they lose to Ole Miss or Tennessee – they're still going to probably win the East. I, I think Tennessee has to take a step back, Reese, and that's not uh, so. And, yeah, yeah, not that just, they'll be bad, but I would agree. I would no, agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. A, like, yeah, just saying they won't win a you know BCS game and win double or New York Six game, I guess we call it now, and, and win double digits. I don't think that's like a mm-hmm. a big insult. But boy, Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman were pretty special guys, um, mm-hmm. and obviously Hendon Hooker uh, was too. Tell you what, I'm getting some some Joe Milton NFL buzz. Uh, recently, like people really are intrigued by Joe Milton. So, uh, speaking of guys, to circle back to your earlier point, that are 
delights to be around. I got a chance to be around Joe just for a few minutes. It wasn't anything long. But when we were there for college game day basketball, mm-hmm. I'd ask him to come down and just see how far he could throw a basketball or to shoot from oh, half yeah. court. He wasn't, he's, he's not a great perimeter shooter. So we finally just said, at least not from half court. And so he said, why don't you just throw the thing? And he, he just took the basketball, and it seemed like it seemed as if it was going to fly out of Thompson Bowling Arena. I was like, he's got a he's got a rare arm, man. I mean, he, did you see the it, clips from the Manning camp? I did, I did. Ooh. Yeah, man. And yeah, it's fantastic. So, How about about this on on Georgia? Thirteen players taken in the last two drafts, seven first rounders. You mentioned they're still loaded. Our buddy Bill Connolly, who puts the percentage on such things, 70% of their defensive production from yeah. last year returns, despite the fact in the last two drafts they've lost 13 guys and seven first-rounders. And when you start digging in into, uh, in, into Georgia and what, you know, who are the next, you know, like Michael Williams, the, the defensive lineman, mm-hmm. Is going to be, you know, that next. Certain, there's a lot of other guys, right? They got uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson at the at the next level, and then I think Malachi Starks is going to be as high as a safety oh. can get picked. Yeah, like what a wonderful, rangy, just really, really precocious player he is. Um, yeah, it's you know, it's it's hard to find a lot of weaknesses on that uh, on that side of the ball. Let's let's go outside of Georgia in the SEC media days. So Jimbo says that he and Bob Petrino haven't had any, you know, nose-to-nose blow-ups. I don't really believe that because I know both of them. But the thing is, is it doesn't mean what people would think. I would actually be disappointed and be far more worried about how they're going to coexist if they haven't argued one time. <laughs> would, you, would you agree with that assessment? I, I I'm, sh- I'm I sure... I'm sure they've gotten up in each other's kitchens. I'm sure of it. But it doesn't mean that it's not going to work. Yeah, I think uh, we'll really learn a lot about that relationship, Reese, when uh, they have three three three-and-outs in a row. Like, that's when I'll start (laughs) to judge it, all right? Like, that, to me, that's when when you'll be like, okay, like, here we are. Uh, Yeah, that is... That is when I will. Uh, that is when I'll, I'll, I will be happy to. Uh, I will be happy to make uh, to make judgment on that. So, I tell you something. You know, I tell you something right now, Bobby. Pictures. Bobby, have, have you seen fifteen? Have you seen? 15? What you stop handing the ball off? You let fifteen spin it now, and we'll probably get a first down. So. <laughs> um, one of the, uh, I believe it was a, it was a nice Smith, the uh, the A and M receiver. They they mm-hmm. run players through our room all day, so that, that sometimes some of the some of the guys blend together. But I was pretty sure he said it was different when Jimbo introduced Petrino in the offensive team meeting and then left. He said mm-hmm. that was different, and so that's a little bit of a sign of uh, of, of of letting go. And uh, you know, Jimbo talked about Bowden and when Bowden gave up play calling when mm-hmm. when he worked with uh, when he worked with Bobby. And yeah, I, uh, I am, I am intrigued. Cause like, again, it's, it's media days and it's the summer, right? So mm-hmm. what did they lose? Uh, five, one score games last year. Yeah. Um, I believe is the, is the number. So, and look, they're not untalented, right? Um, I just worry about like the develop, they brought in so many high profile guys and they just haven't like developed to what yeah. they were rated. And 
I can't put my finger on that. I can't tell you if it's the strength coach or the position coach or it's the culture or whatever it is, but that has happened too frequently, and that trend needs to stop for uh, for them. Now, Connor Wegman is a really talented dude. Uh, people there will be quick to tell you they like him more than Quinn Ewers. Um, so we'll see if uh, if he's the answer to unlocking that offense, but they have skill. Um a lot of they had some dudes hurt on the line last year. Uh, Steve Adazio is very bullish on that group, on the talent of that group. Um, so, yeah, but I I remain skeptical on AM. I'm going to wait for empirical results before I uh, before I lump them back to 2020 Texas AM. No, I I'm I'm in the same boat with you, but I still have high regard for both of those guys, Jimbo too. Uh, I think Jimbo still is a terrific quarterback coach. Now, has he simplified it and made it easier for his quarterbacks? Maybe the way some other offensive gurus have the last few years? Probably not. He's got the, you know, I think someone aptly called it the Cheesecake Factory menu play sheet, you know, in front of him. And to to my understanding, at least in recent years, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of verbiage here. It takes some time. You even look back at Florida State prior to Jimbo getting there when Bobby Bowden was calling the plays and then in some of the and some of Jimbo's time there guys waited their turn and they sort of learned the system and then they excelled later that's sort of how Jimbo's quarterbacks have been not always there have been exceptions obviously Jameis Winston you know redshirt freshman won the Heisman Trophy but a lot of times it's been guys who've sort of come along and developed and it's a little bit harder to do that in college football these days and, and the offenses have have changed and Jimbo recognized the need and probably there's so much administration for a head coach to do now, especially, especially at a place like Texas A&M, that he brings in another guy who's just a, you know, despite what happened at the end at Louisville, that throughout his career has been an exceptional uh, offensive mind and really great knack for calling plays at the right time. And, you know, is it a gamble? Could it implode? Of course it could. But it also, it also has a chance to work really well. So it's uh, because, because both guys are tough and they're really, really smart offensive guys. The real question is going to be, as you said, three and outs. If you have a game where you score 16 points and one touchdown, you know, do, do – uh, do you get stubborn? Do egos get involved? All of those types of things that also can happen. Uh, that'll be the real test of it to see how it works. Let's wrap a bow on AM on this. One of the most interesting macro questions of the season are if AM continues to regress, do you know what Jimbo's buyout is if he's fired after this season? It was like 80 something last year. So I've got to assume it's probably in the high 70s. Is that right? 76 million. That's pretty good, right? That's that's some pretty good contract. No, no, no. I mean, I mean a good a good no, no. guess, a good guess. Yes, very good guess. Yes, obviously. Very good guess. So he's he's in the uh, yeah he's 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 well protected as they say. But it's it's interesting, Reese. Right? This this is professional sports now. No one's making any bones about it. So like, if the operation is regressing, is that too big? Mm-hmm. It, it, we'd immediately say yes. But I'll tell you what. I spend all these years writing these like hot seat lists and predictions on, and I you know. Arizona State can't afford fifteen million for well they did UCLA can't afford this well they did Auburn can't pay Brett well they did you know so like I, that's an outlandish amount of money 
But is that the, could that be the new boundary? I don't know. I still think it's too big. But but boy, they really want to win there, and they've got a lot of money. So they, it's you know I hope it if, doesn't happen. We want to see people win games and not get fired. But it's I think it's pretty fascinating. If they can beat Miami, which mm-hmm. is week two, they've got a real shot at going into a pivotal two-week stretch, home against Alabama, road against Tennessee, going into that 5-0. and um, they've, got, they've got Auburn and Arkansas, and I'm not, you know, Arkansas, veteran quarterback, but they're replacing a ton uh, around mm-hmm. him. They've got a shot. I think if they yeah. could, you know, they got a shot at going in there at four and one, five and zero, oh, and then the real test will be those first two games in uh, in October to see see where they where they really are. I would think so. Yeah, no, it'd, it'd be interesting if they lose to Miami. That um, and again, Miami's yeah. gotten better, obviously. Miami scored what nine points in that game last year, or something yeah. per, pretty preposterous. Um, they obviously have a change on that side of the ball and a good a good quarterback. Uh, it will be the uh, – wait, that game's in College Station this year, right? They won it at Miami last no, year. No, no, right? no. It was in College Station last year because last game year. day I'm was sorry. supposed to go there. It's at Miami. That's right. That's yeah. right. It is, it is at Miami. So, And that's mm-hmm. – you hope that's the kind of game Miami fans show up for. I, I think it will be. Um, I hope so. I think there's that's some – That's an event. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know they were disappointing last year, but I do think there's still some uh, – there are still some positive vibes around Miami with yeah. changes on the coaching staff and they want to see it work. So, and that'll be mm-hmm. early in the season, you know, SEC yeah. opponent coming in, former Florida state coach coming in. I think all of those things, uh, you know, will work, will work in favor of getting a good crowd uh, to hard rock to see uh, the Canes and the Aggies. Aggies will travel a little bit too now. You know? Yes, they will. Yeah, they'll, they'll say howdy to South, South Florida for sure. What do you got on this? Uh, what do you got on this latest? I'm sure the sources are saying the Pac-12 about to get a media deal done. How many times have we, or is anyone keeping a running count of how many times we've done this on the podcast? Pac-12 media it's, deals about to come. It's, it's imminent. Yes. Uh, what was the name of the news anchor in uh, Groundhog Day? Isn't Bill Murray's character? Uh, yeah, I don't remember his name. He was weather yeah. guy, but I don't remember that. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit what it feels like here. Um, yeah, the, the the news that uh, our Heather Dinich broke on Tuesday about no media deal being announced this week is not particularly surprising. The, the latest kind of stuff I've heard was maybe Labor Day is about when this when this happens. So, um, yeah, I think like it's hard to say offer much new insight, Reese, into this situation because I still don't know in many experts across our field, uh, you know, TV field still don't know where the linear exposure can come from, from the Pac-12. So there's, you know, Heather's story was undercut with some optimism. I don't see that optimism. So I think right now we see Colorado in the crosshairs the next few weeks as this gets pushed out again. They've obviously been the biggest flight risk from that league that's been established for probably three months they met in person at a neutral site with the Big 12 in uh, early May. Um, yeah, just uh, w- when does administrative patience or impatience overtake the reality of the pragmatism of we should probably see what they come up with? That, those two things are colliding 
at this moment, and uh, it will be interesting to see how those how those unfurl. What's the funniest thing that's happened at any of the media days that you've been to so far? Has, has oh. anybody you know like knocked a microphone off or you know slipped on a banana peel going up to the podium or said something juxtaposed some words and said something funny had a malaprop that was amusing anything happened that's been great zach arnett of mississippi state told us a great off the record mike leach story today and that's the first thing that comes to mind but it's off the record so i can't say but that was you know the, this, the best mike leach stories tend to uh t- tend to be off the record um What's the difference going to be in a Zach Arnett news conference, post-game news conference, and uh, the late, great Mike Leach? You know, I thought he was pretty good today. I watched him on the podium, and then he came in our room. Uh, they could be sneaky good. Like, you go to these things, and you kind of get convinced everybody could be sneaky good. But Will Rogers led the SEC in passing the last two years. They're going to evolve the offense a little bit. They return a ton on the D-line. Um and they're, like, pretty good up front on the O-line. Like, they have some sort of, like, box checks for a strong SEC season. They have three games at home. I actually thought about this today. I said it out loud to Chris Law, my colleague. If Mississippi State, they have a FCS team, and then they have Arizona at home, which is kind of one of those weird early season, probably very fun games, they host LSU in week three. Do you think we could go to Starkville for game day? If both of them are undefeated, um, you know, Mississippi State's probably ranked 24th at that point. LSU, I mean, shoot, LSU beats Florida State. They could be the number one team in the country, Reese, right? Like, mm-hmm. if they're not, they're one of three. Um, so, I don't know. I just I, I thought about that out loud. I enjoy the, the cowbells. I, I, it's, it's, a favorite, it's a favorite stop of mine um, over, over the years. I, I imagine the game days you've done there have been pretty electric, right? I, I haven't done game day there. Now, I've called games there. I think the last okay. time the show went to Starkville was the year before I started. So this will be nine years since it's okay. been to Starkville. So 14? Yeah. So I, but I've called okay. games. I've called several games there. Um, and it's a, it's a really cool atmosphere. I called uh, Auburn, Mississippi State, the Cam Newton game, which was one that was forgotten, but because of the recruiting controversy, it was actually a really, really good game. And um, Mississippi State actually dropped a late interception, had a chance. It would have been a walk-in pick six, and or else they, you know, they might have derailed that championship team. Uh, I called the Dak Prescott off the bench with the bad shoulder. Bo Egg Wallace bowl. fumble, Egg Bowl fumbles into the end zone. Um, so some great memories that we could be there, but there is there is a little rivalry game that weekend, and you got to wait and see how these two teams start. But there is a pretty good rivalry game that week two and week three in a place where we haven't been in a long time. It's also a fun place to go. Morgantown, West yes. Virginia. Backyard. I am. Uh, I'm aware of that. I just thought like that. Uh, that game no, kind of my radar until yeah. I until I did a little math and um, 11 a.m. kick. Uh, getting all the local the local denizens uh, the local denizens fired up there for a little uh, little early morning moonshine in in, in Starkville. Um, spilling out of the speakeasy below restaurant Tyler. So um, yeah, I just said uh, yeah. That's that one of the things too. There's like I'm really looking forward to just get back on the road. And, being out there you know what i mean like that, that's one thing media day does get me get me fired mm-hmm. up for is you see you see the coaches you interact with all year and uh yeah i am 
I am I'm as giddy as my cold, cynical soul will allow me to be. <laughs> I'm actually, uh, despite me poking great fun at the coaches at the podium on media days, I'm I'm fired up about it too. I'm ready to get it started. It's the best. It's it's the best regular season in sports. Obviously, it's you know it's the sport I enjoy more than any other. I love college basketball too, but this is you know. This is this is the thing. There's nothing like it. The Saturdays are so rare. The atmospheres are just tremendous. And with all of the consternation over the various issues, none of it, none of it matters or cuts into the enjoyment of being on a campus for a huge game on a Saturday. There's just nothing like it. And it'll be it'll be it'll be great when it starts. It'll be great when it starts. Yeah, I'm I'm I am ready to uh, let it rip. Do you think if we can maybe end with a little over under here? Uh, yeah, let's to, do it. We don't have to bet a meal on it or anything. Do you think foot hits ball first and we have our first game day uh, wherever that location may be first Saturday of the season? So week one, not, uh, we'll have a game day week zero. But let's just say yes, but it's, just, it's yeah, it's going to be a studio. But first, yeah, first, uh, so, first road show. Yeah. Do you think the Pac-12 has a announced television contract, <sighs> or we have our first full throttle game day? I'm going to say game day. I'm going to play. I'm going to play the odds. I, I mean, ain't going to bet against you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say we have game day. Yeah, I hope I I hope it's settled for the sake of the people in the Pac-12 and for yeah. George Klyavkov, who I find to be a a really good dude, competent leader, who's been put in a very difficult situation. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And look, anybody in leadership position, I'm sure you can go back and say he should have done this differently or that differently. But he's been put in a really difficult situation that a lot of the obstacles were not of his making so hopefully i hope i'm hope i'm wrong and if they have a deal yeah. that keeps the conference together but if i if you're making me take over under i'm going to say that um uh, that we welcome people to the site of week one prior to that being announced when are we going to announce week one i'm excited to see where we go yeah I, how does that I usually mean, work you you have a few more years in the barn than me many more years in the barn yeah they'll they'll pick they'll pick the time that gets the most mileage and all of the logistics need to be taken care of because sometimes you feel as if you know, and I've got a pretty good idea. And I think if you look at the schedule, you can, you can make a pretty educated guess as to where we're most likely to be. Um, But you have to make sure all the logistics are lined up and, and, you know, let a little momentum build and then, and then make the announcement. So got a lot of great, a lot of great things, a lot of great things planned. We have some, uh, planning sessions coming up and all of that and starting to knock around some ideas for some different segments and different things like that for the upcoming season. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's upon us. Yeah. I'm fired up, man. I am. Uh, I'm fired right. up. We miss you down here in Nashville. We miss you here. Cliche season. You know, I may have to, uh, I might have to break down and go next year to Dallas. Uh, since, you know, that, that'll be kind of different having SEC media days in Dallas. So maybe I'll go next year. Come on. Maybe, maybe Come on. I will. It's uh, talking season. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was in Dallas okay. this week. It was only like 112. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll be something. You'll, you'll be able to get some, uh, you'll get some support for the Mike Leach no tie. What's the use of neckties uh, then? Even though I, I, I think 
people should wear neckties. I think they look spectacular. You ought to wear them, but you know, you'll sweat around your neck today. if you have I, one. I, I Did, out of bed. Today. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. I changed keep for setting, the podcast. No, keep setting the standard. Good for you. I mean, take you seriously. We're trying. No pocket squares yet, Reese. We'll see if we'll see if there's an adjustment made there. I don't. I don't know if I can. I can handle that. I'm just a just a lowly information guy. I don't know. I don't know if I can reach to reach fashion levels like of the pocket square. That's, I, that's I like tell another you, step. I tell you what I need to what I need to do. We'll start you slow. What we need to do is to get you <laughs> some like just uh, tipped linen pocket squares in various colors that will match your tie. They're very simple. You don't have to wide them up. You just put them in. Like like the square, and if you're wearing a blue tie, you got a little blue there. If you're wearing an orange tie, you got an orange. Red tie, got some red. You know, start slowly, and then you can build from there. Okay. It's sort of sort of like giving you giving you just as much of the offense as you can handle, like a quarterback. You know, like a young quarterback. We're (laughs) gonna we're gonna we're gonna no, we're gonna accentuate what he does well, and then as he as he gets more comfortable, we'll continue to expand uh, expand his playbook. So. Fair enough. I appreciate the entree into style. You bet, man. Uh, you're doing great. You're you're just absolutely killing it. All right, man. Have fun down there. Be careful. Uh, Nashville is Nashville has gotten uh, gotten the it's best under of construction. Uh, really, that's really it, what it is. There's you'll say it's got, it's, everywhere, man. It's yeah. gotten it's gotten the best of lesser men. I'm confident yeah, in you. That's true. You'll you'll that's be able true. to you'll be able to navigate <laughs> the the wilds there. That's been yeah. the college if I game day. My resignation to join a cover band that probably means <laughs> I got overserved somewhere. <laughs> thanks for listening to the college game day podcast you can download this wherever you prefer to get your podcast season's coming